welcome back for another episode of Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, and I am here today with you in the Apostolic Fathers as we are looking at 1 Clement chapters 43 through 48. This section of 1 Clement has a lot to do with faithfulness in the vocation we have been called to. So we begin in chapter 43. And what wonder if those who believe in Christ by such a work God established the aforementioned people. Thus also the blessed Moses, a servant faithful in the whole house, enjoined upon them everything recorded in the sacred books, and which also the rest of the prophets followed, bearing witness with him to the laws he has ordained. For he, when jealousy arose concerning the priesthood, and an insurrection of the tribes having been adorned with the glorious name, he commanded the twelve tribes to gather together to him rods inscribed with the name of each tribe. And taking them, he tied them and sealed them with the tribe's rings, and he placed them in the tent of witness before God. And having shut the tent, he sealed the keys and likewise the doors. And he said to them, Men and brothers, whichever tribe's rod blossoms, that one God has chosen for the priesthood and for his ministry. And when morning came, he gathered together all Israel and six thousand men, and he showed the seals to the tribal rulers, and he opened the tent of witness and brought out the rods. Aaron's rod was found not only to blossom, but it also had fruit. What do you think, beloved? Didn't Moses know beforehand that this would come to pass? Certainly he knew, but in order that there might not be disorder in Israel, he did so, so that the true and only God's name might be glorified, in whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Roman presbyters now focus on the faithfulness of Moses as God's servant in the wilderness. Numbers 12, 7, and Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Specifically, they bring forth the narratives of Numbers 16 and 17, where Korah, Dathan, and Abiram rebel against Moses and Aaron. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram rose up with 250 men to make every Israelite a priest, not just the tribe of Levi. This is the original misunderstanding of everyone a minister and a kingdom of priest, 1 Peter 2, 9. These men wanted to take the authority upon themselves because they believed that Moses and Aaron had overstepped their offices. These men were swallowed up by the earth with their entire families. Numbers 16, 20-35. After Korah's insurrection, God commands that twelve rods be brought to Moses, one for each tribe. Each tribal leader's name was etched upon his tribe's rod. God commands Moses to place the rods in the tabernacle until morning. The next morning, Moses brought out the twelve rods. Aaron's rod not only budded, but bore ripe almonds upon it. God shows the Israelites that the Levites were the proper priest. To keep this before the Israelites' eyes, Aaron's rod was placed in the Ark of the Covenant with the two tablets of the Ten Commandments and the first jar of manna. Number 17, 10. We move on to chapter 44. And our apostles knew through our Lord Jesus Christ that there would be strife over the name of Bishop. On account of this, therefore, having received complete foreknowledge, they appointed those mentioned before, and afterward they provided a continuance. If they fell asleep, other approved men might succeed to their ministry. Therefore, those who are appointed by the apostles or afterward by other men of good repute with the consent of the entire church, and those who minister blamelessly for Christ's flock with lowliness, peace, and modesty, having witnessed to everyone at all times, those reckoned as righteous were not to be cast out of their ministry. For it is not a small sin to us if we cast out the blameless and those likewise who offered the bishop's gifts. Blessed are the presbyters who have gone before, being fruitful and having complete ripeness. For they have no fear that some might remove them from their appointed place. 
For we see that you have displaced certain people, though they were living honorably, from their ministry which was respected by them blamelessly. St. Paul prophesied to the Ephesian elders, Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Acts 20, 29 and 30. The headstrong and arrogant of Corinth were among the fierce wolves that were coming upon the church, striving for the title of bishop. These false teachers seek the double honor, 1 Timothy 5.17, of being called a bishop without going through the approved channel set up by the apostles when they went about setting up bishops and presbyters in every city. Encouragement also was given for a similar method to be used to appoint replacement bishops when the previous bishops died, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. The headstrong and arrogant appointed themselves against the proper presbyters. Righteous presbyters, elders, and bishops should not be deposed from their office. Those who are unrighteous and tarnish the image of their office should be removed. The Roman presbyters are calling for the headstrong and arrogant to step down from their usurped offices and reinstate the proper presbyters. If they refuse, the congregation should depose the headstrong and arrogant so that the proper presbyters might regain their office. The Roman presbyters point back to the presbyters who have gone before. These are likely the presbyters established by Paul, Silas, Aquila, and Priscilla in Acts 18. By the time of the writing of this letter, these presbyters seem to have died and been replaced by the next generation of presbyters. These second-generation presbyters were deposed by the headstrong and arrogant. In true Roman fashion, the Corinthians are called to look back at the tradition of the church to help with dealing with the problems of the present. Church tradition may be wonderful in helping to teach, but it should not be given authority to be placed alongside or even above Scripture. Chapter 45 Brothers, you are contentious and jealous concerning those who have arrived to salvation. You have searched the true and holy Scriptures through the Holy Spirit. You know that there is nothing unrighteous nor counterfeit in them. You will not find the righteous being cast out by holy men. Righteous men have been persecuted, but by the lawless. They were imprisoned, but by the unholy. They were overwhelmed by transgressors. They were put to death by the detestable and unrighteous jealousy being conceived. Suffering these things, they endured nobly. For what may we say, brothers? Was Daniel cast into the lion's den by those who fear God? Were Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael shut up in the fiery furnace by those who profess the great and glorious worship of the Most High? Far be these things from our thoughts. Therefore, who are those who did these things? The detestable ones and those filled with all evil were stirred up to such wrath as to bring into suffering those who in a holy and blameless purpose served God, not knowing that the Most High is the champion and protector of those who serve His excellent name with a clean conscience, in whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. But those who patiently endured in confidence have inherited glory and honor. They were exalted and they were recorded from God in His memorial forever and ever. Amen. Being contentious and jealous for those who have achieved salvation, the Corinthian congregation diligently searched the scriptures, which had been made known to them since they were quite young, like Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.15. These true words have nothing unrighteous or counterfeit in them. There is nothing but truth and righteousness in them. In them the righteous are persecuted by the unrighteous. The Roman presbyters looked to the prophetic book of Daniel, where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were persecuted by unbelievers. Daniel was placed in the lion's den twice in his ministry in Babylon. 
The first is recorded in Daniel 6, where his crime was praying to Yahweh instead of King Darius. Chapter 6, verse 7. In Bel and the Dragon, Daniel destroys the temple of Bel and a dragon which the Babylonians had begun to worship. The Babylonians mobbed King Estagi's throne room, demanding Daniel's life or else the mob would kill the royal family, verses 28-32. Shadrach, also known as Hananiah, Meshach, Mishael, and Abednego, Azariah, were placed in the fiery furnace for refusing to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's golden image, Daniel chapter 3, verses 8-30, through 30, and then the Song of the Three Children. The wrath of the unfaithful regards the faithful who receive God's favor as people to be cast out from human existence because they have been overlooked by God's favor. We move into chapter 46 as they pick up from these examples into their proper understanding. Therefore, it is necessary for us to cleave to such examples, brothers. For it is written, cleave to the saints, because those who cleave to them will be sanctified. And again, in another place, it says, With a blameless man you are blameless, and with an elect man you are elect, and with the crooked you deal crookedly. Therefore, let us cleave to the blameless and righteous. These are God's elect. Why are there strifes, contentions, divisions, and political schisms among you? Or do we not have one God and one Christ and one spirit of grace that was shed upon us, and one judgment in Christ? Why do we tear and rend asunder Christ's members and stir up factions against our own body, and for this reason reach a pitch of folly just as to forget us because we are members of each other? Remember the Lord Jesus' words. For he said, Woe to that man! It was good for him, if he had not been born, than to scandalize one of my elect. It would be better for him for a millstone to be placed around his neck and be cast into the sea, rather than one of my elect to be corrupted. Your schism has corrupted many. Many have been cast into despair, many to doubt, all of us to sorrow, and your sedition still remains. Christians find it profitable to cleave to the examples of the saints who have gone before us. This shows the great clamor of the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches to venerate and ask for intercession from the departed saints. But that sort of cleaving is not biblical. Biblical cleaving to the saints consists of learning and following their examples of faith, especially those in similar vocations. As Melanchthon points out in Augsburg Confession, Article 21. With the quotation from Psalm 18, there is some wonder. In this psalm, David extols God for his wonderful dealings with sinful men. The psalm continues, For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. Verse 27. Everything God does is for the salvation of all mankind. These verses may serve as a basis for Paul's missionary strategy. 1 Corinthians 9 verses 19 to 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant of all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. St. Paul sought to bring as many to faith in Christ as dwelled in his power. He sought to bring everyone into the number of God's elect. He also asked the Corinthians why they were contentious and there were divisions among them. 1 Corinthians 1, 10-13, and chapter 3, verses 1-4. The church is to be united. There are no members of the church that are unnecessary or inactive. Everyone is necessary to build each other up. 
1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 and 5, verses 12 through 20, verse 27, and Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Schismatics attempt to tear down the church. Many of them promote themselves as being the true Christians, while all who disagree are apostate. But Jesus himself condemns those who wish to bring such divisions into the church with his thunderous words from Matthew 18, 6, Matthew 26, 24, Mark 9, 42, Mark 14, 21, and Luke 17, 2. Jesus seeks unity among his followers and not scandal. Every scandal, no matter how small and insignificant it seems, brings great corruption to the church. It brings a tear into the church that only Christ's forgiveness can truly mend. Many have been cast into despair, many to doubt, all of us to sorrow. Despite the visible fallout from their actions, the headstrong and arrogant continue their sedition against the presbyters who had been properly appointed. They refused to subject themselves to their elders and brought sorrow upon everyone, both inside and outside the congregation in Corinth. Now we move from the Old Testament prophets and examples to the New Testament example of Paul, the man who had established the church in Corinth in the first place in chapter 47. The Roman presbyters say, Take up again the epistle of the blessed apostle Paul, who in the beginning of the gospel wrote on spiritual truth. He sent to you concerning himself and Cephas and Apollos, because even then you made leanings towards factions. But that leaning toward a faction brought less sin to you, for you were leaning toward a faction of the apostles who had witnessed in men having been approved by them. But now you understand, certain of you are perverted, and the glory of your renowned brotherly love has diminished. Beloved, it is shameful, very shameful, and unworthy of the conduct of those who follow Christ. Through one or two, the steadfast and ancient church of the Corinthians made seditions against the presbyters. And this report has reached not only us, but also to another party being different from us, just as also blasphemy has been heaped against the Lord's name because of your own folly, but to themselves to create peril. The Roman presbyters reference a single epistle to Corinth from Paul. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10-13, they reference especially. This has prompted some to date First Clement as early as 50 AD. However, the references in this chapter show us that First Corinthians has circulated throughout the Christian church, even to Rome. The references to even then you made leanings toward factions and ancient church of the Corinthians show that a good amount of time has passed since Paul wrote First Corinthians. The headstrong and arrogant have become perverted in their desires for earthly glory through the congregation. They thought to gain a name for themselves by dissenting from God's established leaders in the congregation. It is very shameful that they have diminished God's glory so they could exalt their own. The Roman presbyters reference another party being different from us. This other group's identity remains unknown. However, this unknown party exhibits the vast report throughout Christendom on the conduct of the Corinthian congregation. The problems about which Paul wrote in the 50s were still happening in the congregation. The ancient glory of the gospel was still being marred by the sins of pride and envy. So what do we do? We turn to chapter 48. Therefore let us root out quickly and fall down before the master and cry out to him with supplications. Thus he may show himself merciful to us and he may restore to us our renowned brotherly love, seemly and pure. For this is the gate of righteousness being open to life, just as it is written, Open to me the gate of righteousness, so that entering into her I may confess to the Lord. This is the Lord's gate. The righteous will enter into her. 
Therefore many gates are opened. This one opened in righteousness is in Christ, in whom all the blessed are entering and dwelling in holiness and righteousness, performing all things without confusion. Let him be wise in discernment of words. Let him be blameless in works. For so much the more he owes to be humble-minded in proportion to him who seeks to be greater and to seek what is common to all and not for himself. The proper response to the problem of sin is to fall on our knees and cry out to God with our supplications for forgiveness. Thus his mercy will come upon us. He opens the narrow gate of righteousness through which we may enter in joy, confessing our faith in our righteous God, as seen in Psalm 118, verses 19 and 20, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Luke 1, 75, and John 10, 9. Christ's righteousness, wisdom, and discernment are given to those who joyfully enter his gates with thanksgiving, Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. He is blameless in works because he is covered in Christ's works, seeking to serve one another instead of ruling over them. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 11, and Philippians 2, 21. This humility allows for the Christian to grow in grace so that he may dwell in holiness and righteousness. So far, the reading from the Apostolic Fathers for this month, we will pick up again with chapter 49 as we continue to run through what the Roman presbyters are saying to the church in Corinth and seeing how maybe we can put this into our own day, in our own time. So until next time, this is Pastor Doug Minton saying thank you for listening to the podcast this week. Tune into Facebook and see the daily doses of God's Word coming from the Daily Lectionary. But also, we still have the Moments of Meditation on the podcast as well. And until next time, I pray for God's richest blessings upon you as you wrestle with theology. Amen.